Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Mike Scheibel. Before we get to Mike, uh, I have some announcements to make, and that is, of course, the website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. Check out articles that I've written, articles that some of the other guests have written, and also see photos of our guests and click on the links to all their social media and websites. And by social media, we have some social media as well. That is, of course, our Instagram page, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook, and also Stitcher Radio. If you can uh, click on that, if you subscribe to Stitcher, that's a good way to find us. Or, of course, iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show because it boosts our presence, and that's always a cool thing. So I'd appreciate it. If you can just uh, give us a good rating. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So Mike Scheibel's a guy I met through our friend Jeanette Seha, who did the show last year. He's the guy behind the site and hashtag travel with meaning. And he has traveled extensively. And I got a chance to sit down with him in his office, actually, and nowhere in a room in his office over in Culver City, not too far from me here in L.A. He's an actual L.A. native who's uh, been around the world a bunch. And he loves travel just as much as I do and probably you if you're listening to this show. He's hosted some live travel speaking events around town because he, like me, likes to talk travel and listen to the stories of people who have been around the world. So he's a good guy to get to know, and I'm glad I got to know him. Please enjoy my conversation with Mike Scheibel. Show me the meaning of the world. Show me the meaning of the world. Because I've heard so much about it. We are in uh, Snack Nation, your office. So you are the, uh, I guess, would it be CEO, founder of Travel With Meaning, or what, what would you call it? Um, Blog master? Yeah. What is it? Founder of Travel <laughs> With Meaning. Okay. What is Travel With Meaning, and what made you want to start it? So our mission and our purpose is to encourage people to have extraordinary experiences, mm-hmm. to be present to their magic of the journey, and to share when something's going to move, touch, or inspire them by using hashtag Travel With Meaning. Was it always meant to be like a, a blog, like a written blog and with some photos? Or did you have ideas of branching out into a lot of different things? Well, that's, that's actually a really good question. Um, it was always meant to create a movement around the hashtag and creating a, a global movement around being present to, you know, we're traveling. Oh, we're going to see something. We're probably going to put it on social anyways to create that recognition of like, wow, that just blew my mind. What is that feeling? and creating a, a context for what that feeling is through travel with meaning. So it started with the hashtag, and then it started coming back to, well, let's do some trips. Um, I put on a yoga wellness retreat in Bali two summers ago. 
Um, you organized it. I organized it. We took a group from the States to... Ubud? We were in Ubud, but our retreat was... Uh, we worked with a group called Alila. Alila Hotel and Resorts. Mm-hmm. Super high upscale, five-star, eco-luxury. Ridiculous. Um, so we did that. I love, I love traveling. I love being on the retreat. I don't like organizing the retreat. I don't like having to tra- chase people down. Are you coming? Are you not? So what that transitioned to was finding people who I know who do have successful tour companies and how do I promote them? How do we elevate their business? How do we bring them into the conversation of being a travel with meaning brand? Okay. So you work, how many different countries have you worked with in uh, tour groups and stuff, tour companies? Different tour companies in different countries? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, how, after uh, Bali, where did you branch off to? How well, many I've, other trips have you done? Well, with Travel With Meaning, we've done limited maybe two other trips since then, organized trips. We really spun from doing the retreats to then creating, working with different brands, creating um, campaigns around what Travel With Meaning could look like for them, starting our travel talks, bringing together these travel um, experts to hear their stories. Like you, I love to just to hear people's stories. Well, tell me about Travel Talks. This is a, a live aspect of what you do. So uh, tell people what that is. Absolutely. Well, the next Travel Talk, shameless plug here, is <laughs> June 27th. You could just go to uh, travelwithmeaning.com slash travel talk. This might be out after this. So is there another one in July? There will be another one in July. Okay. Uh, we're just waiting to figure out when that is. So Travel Talk is going to be, it's, it's bringing together like-minded travelers to hear stories from different travel professionals. We always have three guests. We have somebody who travels for work. They could be a yoga instructor. They could be a travel reporter. They could be you know, somebody who goes a lot of places and has a lot of travel in their life. Somebody who's in the travel industry and then an artist who's inspired through travel. Photographer, poet, maybe it's a musician. Um, we're having a chef, um, entrepreneur, CEO at our next talk. So different ways to look at travel as a way to bring that conversation to different people. How many of these have you done? Uh, this is going to be our fifth. Wow, okay. Yeah. And you get a nice turnout? It's growing every time. That's great. Every, every week, every month we've done it. We've had more people, more uh, brands want to get involved. So it's a great way to... The thing about travel that I love is it's tangible, right? You have to actually go and touch it and do it. The thing that I love about these travel talks is you bring people together. So as much as I want to encourage people to go have you know hear people's stories, I'm hoping that somebody then gets inspired to want to take a trip um we worked with tourism fiji i'm hoping people that last from our last travel talk were so inspired about the great conversation they're booking a trip to fiji how are the talks set up i mean does everybody have a certain amount of time uh do you structure it in an outline do you have to get a certain thing you're looking for a certain kind of story or you just let them go with however they want to go with it yeah no that's a great question so it's it's like a one-on-one fireside chat with three different people so usually five to ten minutes-ish, um, chat with everyone. I ask them ahead of time to like have that travel with meaning, meaning story ready for you, so ready to, to share. Um, that thing that really you know, blew you away that you want to talk about, whether it's you know, feeding monks in, in Laos or maybe a car accident somewhere else, somewhere that you like just sticks with you from travels. Um, ask people about you know, maybe where they're going next. Tell us about your business. Tell us about what you do, how travel is related in your life. And then my favorite question is, what does travel mean to you? <laughs> when you say travel with meaning, which is the basis of your whole uh, site and everything like that, meaning has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people. What do you think, when you say meaning, what kind of thing do you mean and what are you looking for? See, that's an awesome question because 
the whole thing about meaning is it means something different to everyone. You know, some people think it means charity or doing work or or spiritual enlightenment or something. I mean, so it really could be anything, really. It could be anything. And there's that side of it that I think when I first came out with this conversation of travel with meaning, people really looked as like the volunteerism, which I'm a huge fan of and I support, you know, companies and brands and, and, and tour companies who are doing that kind of stuff. But for me, it's about going and having that experience. That's why our mission is encourage your extraordinary experience, whatever that is. Um, when we did our yoga retreat in Bali, we had every morning, everyone did yoga on, on this big lawn, except for one gentleman. He never did yoga one day. And after the first day, I sat and had coffee and chilled with him. And I said, I don't care if you ever do yoga. Just what do you want to do? What is going to make you happy? He's like, I want to go diving. So he and I went diving one day. So to me, the meaning and what it comes back to is what's going to make your heart happy? Is it going to go and volunteer and do something and figure that out? Awesome. Is it going to go and, you know, maybe search for a perfect wave somewhere? Great. Hike a mountain? Awesome. Kind of odd that that he... (laughs) chose a yoga retreat to, instead of a dive retreat. Well, he was sort of dragged by uh, his uh, partner. Gotcha. But, but, you know, in his defense, he actually turned out to be awesome. And I learned a lot from this guy. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, it's, it's like the hero's journey. And this is what I got from my travels in my life. It's like you go and you come back and you're inspired, right? So to me, it's like just go, especially now in the world with everything going on. Just go. We read so much about what people are like in other parts of the world. No, go meet these people. Go have a conversation. You learn so much more from them finding something out online. So go have that experience, and whatever it's going to do for you, come home and make a difference. Was there one trip that you can look back on your life that really made it that impact on you, that made you turn a corner and see the world in a different way? Yeah. Um, so travel has always been part of my life. My parents took my brother and I like, ton of places growing up we drove across the country went skiing hawaii all that kind of stuff i studied abroad um, in college and then after a professional career for a while i came to a crossroads and sold everything i had and bought a one-way ticket i was like i'm out i'm done (laughs) and um that was kind of my thing i just i was happy-go-lucky i landed in australia and two days later i freaked out what the heck am i doing i don't know a person (laughs) i'm freaking out and uh from there, I just kind of just trusted what was happening and allowed things to show up. Uh, I ended up interviewing a lot of people along the way, which is kind of like my icebreaker. It's a great way to meet people. And I interviewed people in the most random places and asked them what they're grateful for, what inspires them, and what does traveling mean to them? And I never really did anything with the footage. I had all this video footage and have just started to like put stuff out. <laughs> oh, you did it all on video? I did all like... When flip cameras are cool. I, oh, I wow. A, How long, what year was this? Yeah. You know, about eight years ago or okay. so. Okay. Yeah. You know, flip cameras weren't bad. They were great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't take off and then they were just, I guess because the phones, everybody has a camera that was on their the phone problem. now. But they yeah. were great. Yeah. I, I, had, I left with like four flips and like two Kodak cameras and came back, I think, with maybe one. <laughs> Between camera phones and uh, GoPros, it kind of just wiped out the, the flip phone. Well, how many, Do you travel with a lot of equipment when you go? Not a ton. You know, I, I'm not like that big of a video. Of, I mean, I, I have a handheld and then, yeah, my phone. Yeah. But the camera phones are great. I mean, other than night, I find that they're not very useful, but uh, in dark and low light and everything like that. But, I mean, I'm not doing high-end kind of stuff either. If I want to shoot, I mean, for a recent trip I just took uh, in Canada, I had a friend come join me and shot me 
and he had a nicer. But he had camera. like a full rig. He had like professional. Not, not you know, not he was really. On his iPhone the whole time. Oh no, no, he had, he had. <laughs> <laughs> he was sketch, dual he iPhone. He was drawing. Yeah, he, he was doodling as I was standing. Yeah, there. like a court reporter. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's amazing the quality you can get out of just a little of a phone. It's pretty pretty incredible. Absolutely, especially for the internet. I mean, if, I mean, if I was shooting for TV, that'd be a different thing. But this, you know, for Instagram, it's you know, it's fine. Well, and this again sort of dates me, but like Instagram hadn't even come out, right? So even when when I was doing this trip at the time, which I, I had launched a, a blog before I left, this is way before travel with meaning was even just a glimmer in my eye, I had a, a site called My Grateful Journey, which I still have, um, which is where I would put all my blogs and my video and stuff. Um, but for me to go and like, there was no influencers. There was no Instagram. That was like creating it as I went to, to figure it out. But you know, I mean, you're, you yeah. know that conversation. What was, uh, how long did Australia last? How long were you there? Um, Australia was almost five months. Okay. So one particular place or did you go all over the island? I went all over. I spent started in, in Melbourne and then went up to Darwin and did the whole middle. Um, went up to Cairns, did most of the East Coast. But there came a point where I was in Brisbane, like, what, how am I going to get around? I'm sick of, like, trying to find a ride share and yeah. hitchhike. I took or, Greyhounds. Greyhounds. I <laughs> so I, I wasn't going to buy a car because if I'm going to buy a car, it's going to break down, and that's not going to be good. <laughs> um, so I ended up calling every travel comp- every car rental company I could find and saying, okay, you're charging X amount. What will you do for me if I do all your social media and your videos for you? I ended up getting a car rental company to give me a station wagon plus camping gear for $10 a day. Wow. For a month. What did you have to do? Did you post something every day? I posted, no. There was no like real timeline. The deliverables were like, I think it was like every week a video. So it was like maybe three or four videos were in my deliverables and one bigger video at the end. They ended up loving what I did. They paid me back and then hired me to do a couple more things for them. Oh, that's awesome. So it kind of was that little light bulb in my head of like, oh, I can do this everywhere. <laughs> so after Australia, did you just keep on going or did you come back? Oh, no. I went to New Zealand. Um, did New Zealand for about a month or so. New Zealand's beautiful. Oh, it's crazy. I only did the South Island, so oh. I didn't get to do the North yet. I did the South the first time, and then I connected with the company. I was there, same thing, like calling and, you know, you know pitching whatever we can figure <laughs> yeah, out, right, yeah. as we do. Uh, they ended up sending me to Asia to try their tour company there. Uh, and then after I'd, I'd come home months and months later, they brought me back to New Zealand to work for them for a while. Oh, great. So I got to do North and South. Wow. Were you in Auckland? I was in Auckland as like a base. Okay. Um, and then Raglan, got to surf and hang out there, and then did the whole kind of North Island spin. So what made you come back and settle? And not have this life on the road. Well, it's funny. And, and I, true story is my dad asked me to come back from, my grandma had passed away like a year earlier and they were doing her unveiling. And yes, I'll come home for that, of course. Yeah. But there wasn't, for the first year or two that I got back, it wasn't a day that went by that I didn't miss that hut in northern Thailand that had my <laughs> own hammock and Wi-Fi and was right on the river for like $5 a day. And there was definitely as I'm sitting here in the offices thinking about that, that, you know, I miss, I miss certain things like that from time to time, but grateful for that opportunity. So you went up into Thailand and all throughout Asia. Yeah. Wow. Thailand was, um, Thailand was one of those places where I really was able to look at like life and traveling are so much alike where my plan was to go to Thailand and 
spend all the time in the South, right? And dive and full moon party and all that other stuff, <laughs> right? Didn't happen. It was one of those things where it was like a crazy storm for weeks and weeks on, on the island. So they were evacuating people off every island. It was horrible. So, and I'll never forget this. I was in, um, in Koh Lak in Thailand and trying to decide where to go. I could look at the weather and I could see like, it's going to rain for a week down here. I, this is not going to work. So I literally remember sitting there going, oh, do I fly to Vietnam? Do I go to Laos or should I go to Northern Thailand? And it was such a dilemma. And then that moment of like, this is my problem for the day. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome is this? Did you end up going to Chiang Mai? I went to Chiang Mai, uh, which worked out perfectly because I was there for Songkran. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've seen... That's where they squirt water on each other? Oh, this is, this is one of those things I, I you know, recommend people doing is... I heard about that. So Songkran is... It, it's wrapped into what Buddha's birthday is, mm-hmm. right? So the, w- the way the tradition started was they would carry around the Buddha statue and you would you'd, um, splash water in it, like you're cleansing it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Which then turned into a water fight. <laughs> and it wasn't a water fight for like a day. It turned into like three days. Well, because it's going to be a three-day festival, that means it's going to be five days, right? Right. And it's like the hottest time of the year too, right? It was awesome. It was I, I think the sun was out maybe one or two days. It was still like <laughs> probably 90 degrees, right, and humid the whole time. I would walk around from like morning till sunset with two pistols of like squirt guns on my hips. I had like a big bucket around my shoulder, and we were just drinking and having water fights. Are you an extra uh, uh, attractive target? Because you know, Whitey, let's go uh, squirt him. Well, that's great. So it's funny. It's like especially in Chiang Mai. It's like you can go where all the was it the Falong? Is that what they? Is? I, don't know. I think I think oh, it's the backpack. Oh, the, the whiteies, yeah. yeah, the whiteies, the, the backpackers. Gringos. So the gringos. there's the area where all those guys would be, and then I ended up connecting with a couple people I met who lived there, um, girls who were teaching English and whatnot. So I went with them to like the local area, and yeah, oh, okay. I was definitely a target, but <laughs> I think I held my own pretty well, and I got some good footage of that, and had I, that was just one of those experiences. Like, like I said, morning to night of just drinking yeah. and having a water fight. I like Chiang Mai a lot. Chiang Mai's. Beautiful. That's like one of the biggest um, expat places for um, digital nomads, I yep. guess. Now, and people just live, making their livings online. That's uh, that's like one of the big hubs because it it's cheap enough to live and you know stable enough <laughs> power grid and Wi-Fi. Which and why wouldn't you? You know, you get to eat the best food in the world and cheap, yeah, good food, good Wi-Fi. You can get a suit made at lunch, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everything works for you. Did you end up going into like Luang Prabang? And, uh, I did. Yeah. I did. I, I love did. Luang Prabang. Oh, and I went, so I went north of there too, um, up to Kwangsi. No, Kwangsi was in Luang Prabang. Um, Konyal was the north of there. Okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't get Konyal. up that far. Yeah, it was north there, which is like one of those places where there's no electricity in the village. They run a generator for like two hours at night and um, awesome. Just beautiful scenery and good people. Was there ever one moment that uh, you had some doubts and then maybe that one night where you couldn't get a place to stay, you're getting rained on, you missed your train or something, you're just like, what am I doing? I'm going to go home. And you mean only one? (laughs) (laughs) Does one really stand out? Um, uh, Well, so, you know, I told you I I videoed a lot of my stuff, right? So besides just interviewing people, I videoed myself as like a journal because I I can't read my handwriting, so I wouldn't do that. I can vividly remember standing on the side of a road in Thailand being dropped off by a bus. It's pouring rain, trying to get to the airport, which was probably five miles away, but he dropped me off wherever I was. And 
I just remember it was one of those like, am I miserable moments or I'm just going to smile and laugh through the rain? <laughs> but that's a very vivid moment for me. And then also, um, you know, and I think this happens to people when they travel. Uh, I got injured. I had I hurt my ankle actually um, outside of Chiang Mai, and it was one of those things where, all right, do I just kind of throw in the towel and go home, or do I just kind of go to a pharmacy here and see what we can do to make it work? Go to a pharmacy. Well, Didn't even go to a doctor. You went to a, just the pharmacy. You just looking for painkillers, or nothing needed to be set, or anything like that. I don't think you need. What to do you be think set. you did? You just twisted it, or uh, uh, sprained it? Severely sprained. What by you know seven months later, whatever it was, when I got home and I had it looked at, it was severely sprained. Apparently. Sure. So, so um, how long did that whole Asia experience last? Uh, Asia went for about another three and a half months. Okay. Um, and then I went to Europe for a while. So, when you put all this together, you were gone for what? Oh, a year over a year almost a year okay almost a year all right well what was the moment you decided to come back i mean I know you talked about your grandmother and all right. that stuff but did it when you came back did it first feel like it was going to be temporary or did you say i'm going to come back and stay for a while and work or, no and that's that's so funny because i always had in my mind like i don't want to come home unless i have something to come home for um so from the moment I got home, I was like pitching ideas and trying to do things. And I started talking to that company in New Zealand of how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. And so I'd only been home, I guess, three, almost four months, not even that, before I went back to New Zealand. So I felt like, you know, that rush of adrenaline was still inside me. And it was, <laughs> it, kept, it kept it fresh. I was there for another month plus. That's great. Did they ever have entertain any of these thoughts to like hire you full time any of these places? It got really close with the company in New Zealand, and there was um, unfortunately like a power struggle between the founder and there. There was you know some behind the scenes stuff that I wasn't gotcha. too privy to that it didn't work. Um, again, we were ahead of our time with influencers and Instagram and all that stuff. So the, the funny thing is that I was I was brought onto this company to be not only just help them with content and create stuff, but a, a digital social strategist. And from the moment I landed, I was just pushing Instagram to them. It just really helped me that when I was there, they sold to Facebook. So it made me look like a genius. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. It just made me look right. awesome. <laughs> but we were, we were really ahead of our, where, we, where the game was and, and what we were creating. And unfortunately, we had this great promo for it and brought in some good sponsors. And it just never got to see the light of day because of something that happened in the, in the back rooms, I guess. To this day, is Instagram still your preferred outlet and medium? Um, yeah. I mean, I think Facebook is still that, you know, that... 800 pound gorilla right yeah um i don't do snapchat i just yeah me either i'm just not into it but <laughs> i love i love the pictures i love the video i mean i feel like i've been doing this stuff before there was a platform for it <laughs> I, I have so many you know videos that just don't go anywhere so at least i can put them on instagram now i did this back in the polaroid I days know. yeah <laughs> my mom likes to say i created the selfie because i i used to go around to bar mitzvahs or weddings and they have the little uh, disposable camera and I would just take pictures of myself so. <laughs> and they collect them all and go, why, why, well, yeah, why, why does get, Mike she'd get calls yeah. from her friends saying yeah. why do I have 30 pictures of your son <laughs> <laughs> so was it, were you let's go start from the beginning were you in a traveling family I mean it sounded like you guys got around Not a like lot like a circus or anything like yeah, that yeah no yeah you were uh, the monkey boy in the circus <laughs> that's true true story um <laughs> No, my parents always instilled this this sense of travel in us. Um, we would take ski trips. We would we drove cross country to Minnesota. Yeah, mostly cross country. Uh, one summer, you know, stopping at Yellowstone and everything along the way. The second largest ball of twine. Exactly. Sure. Very Chevy Chase of us. You know, whatever <laughs> we could find. Um, and then my mom, 
is really adventurous. She, you know, she's been to Africa. She would, she always was going places with friends or things. My dad, he likes to go. He would much rather golf and just stay at work. That's just my dad. (laughs) But my mom really instilled that in me. So when I studied abroad in London, my mom came and visited me and her and I went to Scotland for a couple of days. And so I always, I get that sense of adventure from her. How was London? Were you, what kind of, uh, what were you studying there? Is business or life? Uh, London with the was cool it like thing. junior year. Or well, something yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. It was okay. One of those study abroad programs that um, it was pass fail for me. Oh, so it didn't matter. I mean, the it was through Syracuse University. So if you went to Syracuse, you had to get the real grade. Eighty percent of the other people who didn't care pass fail. Um, London was incredible. It was a great experience. It it um, definitely opened my eyes to want to do drink, and see more, to drink, drink more. do more, and see more. <laughs> um, I'd been to Europe. I, I was the only one of my high school friends to go to Europe after high school. Everyone talked about it. They were going to go. Yeah. Push came to shove. I was the only one who really went. And so that definitely instilled me in wanting to keep going and traveling. And that's what the study abroad really introduced me to. So what year are we talking? You don't have to date yourself if you don't want. But, I mean, <laughs> let's call it the 90s, maybe, we'll yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. 90s are great. How was it? So you were, I think the... The Euro was there. They were, it had, you, were, you were there during the Euro time. The first time I went, the Euros weren't. Yeah. It was still, I was still changing money I, every, every, we were every changing, uh, no, country. No, the Euro had not even fully come in yet. Oh, okay. It was still earlier 90s then. It fully had not come in yet. Yeah. There was a lot of talk of it. But, but times were pretty good, though. Times were good. I mean, the internet was still, I remember having to go to like an internet cafe. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, it yeah. was. It was big, right? <laughs> now I can like, you know what? Whatever. I'm on a train. I can just, I can message somebody from my phone. No big deal. <laughs> Crazy. So you came back and you worked in, in show business as yeah. well? Yeah. So a- after studying abroad, actually, I got the, the bug to do something new. So I, I transferred back east to Emerson College. Oh, uh, Boston. Where, yeah, where I finished up school and moved back home to LA and started the professional grind in, in, in the entertainment world and worked my way up as a talent agent manager and did that for many years. A lot of Emerson people in the business couple <laughs> a lot of comedians actually that's a funny story but that's true no it is true <laughs> yeah yeah I think a lot of really it, talented people actually yeah did leno go no not he leno. did did he go there he did and uh dennis leary i he remember did as well i want to say maybe Jeannie garofalo i think i've heard that story yeah and yeah a lot of those guys yeah i'm always jealous of people that went to college in boston because it's like the biggest college town in the country and like 50 colleges in one city and, just, and it's the, gotta be a blast it was so great and like I literally I, I never forget this we were because I'd studied abroad and so we were traveling my, my two good friends and I were traveling around Europe after studying and I'd called home a little drunk called home <laughs> from Monte Carlo and I'll never forget my dad saying hey you got into Emerson they need to know by like Tuesday whatever it was like in two days and I'm like great let's do it sure and I'll never forget getting there <laughs> and sitting in the guidance counselor's office and being like all right, so this is Boston. I, I don't know anything about it, but I'm like, let's just keep doing new things. At that point, you hadn't been there, really. Nope, you, hadn't uh, been there at all. <laughs> and I wanted to be a theater major. Oh wow, that's what I thought I was going to go do, and I had no idea you had to audition or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they just placed me in broadcast journalism, and I'll never forget the guidance counselor was like, "Oh hey, why don't you just have a TV show or radio show or something?" And I was like, "Oh, all right, well, I'll try that." And oh yeah. I'll just and get I, one of those. I met my, my good buddy, and he and I kind of took over the sports department there and radio TV department. And oh, fun. We killed it. That's great. Yeah. So after college, you come back here. 
come back home. You're working in the biz. And uh, was there a moment then you decided... I was asked this of uh, showbiz types. Because you never hear the story of people that leave it. You know, you always hear this, the success stories or the... I got big and then it crashed and burned or is still struggling and that kind of thing. But I always, uh, I always like the stories of people who are just like, you know what, this isn't... I've had enough of this. Was there... What was that moment? <laughs> what didn't you like about it? What did you like about working in an agency and what didn't you like? The thing I liked is, is still what I like is like really helping people elevate their lives and their careers and, and more of the big picture, you know, and looking at how do we really take these steps to really grow your career. It's, it's great to get somebody a job. That's awesome. But how do you look at like, where do you want to be in three steps from now? Um, I love the just architecture of what that looked like. Um, the handholding and kind of BS backstabbing stuff is not never fun. And what, what people think and know of the business. Um, I think the moment that really hit me that, I realized I guess I was done in that business was that I realized I was putting a lot of my effort and time into allowing my happiness to be determined by other people's success. So it it hit me actually before I, as I was leaving to go on this big trip to Australia, that my success was based on other people's, you know, (laughs) success. And what was I doing? You know, I hadn't loved on myself or figured me out and, Time to kind of figure some stuff out. Travel is a great way of making you focus on... Sometimes you just got to step out of your entire life and look at it from the outside and go... Because you're so wrapped up in it while you're here. And you're, there's always a million things to do. And you don't stop and think, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to take a break from it. And you look back and go, I like that part. But I don't like that much. Yeah, very true. I'm going to do less of that. I'm going to do more of that. And no matter... Even if it's just like... People, some people can just need a weekend to figure it out. Well, that's why, you know, people say and it became so unpopular to unplug, right? Now everyone <laughs> unplugs because basically they're like, chill the F out. Yeah, unplug. Now we call it unplugging. Um, and that was really hard for me still when I first left. Like I was connected to the best of my ability um, and probably thinking about, you know, what was I going to do when I get back? It definitely took me a while. And, you know, I would love to go on one of those trips again where you get to completely <laughs> unplug, but... Um, I got two words for you. Cruise ship. I know. <laughs> Are you a big fan of the cruise ship? No, it's not do my... Do you ever do it when uh, you're not, not working? No, I would never. It's not my preferred form of travel. Um, I've never, been, some on, of them I've were never beautiful. been on a cruise ship. Oh, really? Um, I understand the appeal of it for certain types of people. My friends with kids, they love them. Right. Um, you can just let... You know, there's activities for everyone. And it, it, it is good if you just want to go there and do nothing and have everything taken care of for you. And if you want a little taste of certain cities, and so you don't get in-depth with anything if you're going to be in a port for eight hours. Some people don't even leave the ship. Now, you're doing Alaska this summer, but you've done ships all over the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, there's a big difference of people who are just going, trying to leave Minnesota and go to the Bahamas, you know, for a week and just to see the sun. And then people who go to, say, Alaska. It tends to be more of like people learn to nature or whatever it is. It's not like party ships. Right. You know what I mean? And then I went on one in France that, um, you know, this was a higher end one. And we were going around Bordeaux and it was more about food and wine. And that was a different crowd. And then I just went on one to Antarctica, which is, again. A lot of the Minnesota people yeah. feel at home. <laughs> different kind of thing. <laughs> but you're just into certain things. So I, I get it. But I like to have a little more freedom in my, I don't like an itinerary made out for me. You know what I mean? I just if we go to some place, I like to have the option of staying longer, 
Do and you, not have to go, oh, sh- we got to get back to the ship at five, you know. Right before it leaves us. Yeah, we're watching the sunset. We just got a drink. Oh, we got, yeah. Do you find, though, that after you go on one of these cruises, you just want to go home and chill out? Or do you want to, like, go somewhere else as, like, a trip to, like, do something? Yeah, I'd like to, um, yeah, I mean, I like to get home and just catch up on, on things. It depends on how long I'm gone. But, yeah, I would like, and people say, oh, Alaska's so beautiful. Yeah, but I was only seeing these same four cities on the shore, it's a massive state to go inland and go to Denali. Right. I'd like to do a land part of it. You know, and did you get to Denali at all? Or you... I did years ago when I played a club in Anchorage, but this was, again, 20 years ago. You know, but I'd love to go back. I'd love to see more of it. And, and some people do land portions of it where you can go see the Northern Lights and that kind of stuff. And I, we, you, I just never got to see Lights? that. No. And I, we almost saw the Southern Lights when I was in Antarctica, and we didn't get to see them either. So I was kind of bummed on that too. But no, I'm always like missing it. I'm always just missing it, I guess. Hopefully this time. I've seen it. I've seen it twice. Northern Minnesota. Oh, did you? Northern Minnesota. There was, there was uh, two summers where you could see it from our cabin. It was incredible. <laughs> so I was wondering, your family would go to, you're a California kid. Yep. And you go to Minnesota. The first time you went as a kid, did it seem like such an odd place? I mean, what was the, what was the big differences that you noticed? Well, I mean, I was literally raised there in the summer. So I grew up, you know, in L.A. in the Palisades and would go there in the summers and it would be my summer house. Um, was there something about the people that you noticed the difference or they're, they're taller? <laughs> they're all named Carlson and Anderson. And well, besides that, they would call, you know, instead of soda, they would just call it pop. I remember pop, the yeah. pop. And we, my brother and I used to think that was the funniest thing. Yeah. They ate pop, a lot of, pop. Um, they ate a lot of custard for custard. some reason. Yeah. Um, Mosquitoes. <laughs> oh man, the state bird, huh? Yeah. Um, I think just it was really mellow. It was really just it. It had like a good kind of country feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in the in northern Minnesota. We were in the woods. So, do you uh, are you a fishing person? Do you kayak? What do you do with any of that? Answers yes. Minnesota Minnesota yeah, type stuff. Answers yes. Water ski. Um, yeah, I all of it. You know, I like to try the land anything. of 10,000 lakes. It, it is. Know. I've, I've water skied in all of them. No. <laughs> um, I like to try almost anything, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, when we go out for the summers, I definitely fish. I definitely, we have, you know, kayaks, we have canoes, paddle boards, um, water skis, jet skis. So, well, getting back to travel with meaning, where would you say, uh, you see it going within the next, I don't know, year or two? What, what is your plan for it? So the plan with travel with meaning is to have consistent travel talks to really build that community and to highlight um, people who are doing just extraordinary things in travel to keep pushing people to go and have those experiences as well as to really grow the hashtag through this global community of people who are really recognizing what the hashtag means. Uh, at the same time, we've been in conversation with several different kind of bigger brands and looking at what that could look like for a bigger campaign. I don't see it connecting with just one location or one, let's say, airline or destination, it could spread across many different things because it's not just about come visit this. It's about travel, and travel has multiple verticals. So, of where all the uh, travel talks going to be live here in LA? Are you planning on taking them on the road? Maybe possibly uh, planning on taking them on the road. Um, we've been working the LA thing. I've been, I was in Houston in January with some friends of mine who have a production uh, center out there and did some great stuff there and looked at some possibilities, but. Travel is pretty universal, I think. So if people can't make the show, are you recording these or anything? Yeah. Maybe we can, maybe in a podcast form. Maybe in a podcast form. We're, so we're, we have all this video from the first several ones that we've started putting up. Um, 
so we're going to keep doing that. And I think this next one we're going to do live, just whether it's Facebook Live or just however else we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a great work in progress, and it really got to the point of like, let's just do them and start figuring it out and put the puzzles together. I and mean, we have something here where it's getting great conversation with people who travel and hearing their stories. Now let's talk to them. Okay, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, here we go. We haven't been there yet, so your, this is great. Your top three countries' favorite travel destinations. That I've been to? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, New Zealand. Bali. <laughs> that third one's always like, you know. Thailand? Uh, Anywhere in Europe? Yeah, I was going to probably say Italy. Okay. Australia was really close, the fourth. <laughs> so I guess it would, Italy, Australia would be a tie. Are you the guy that, I mean, do you like to get off the beaten path? Or Oh, yeah. Okay. I love to get lost. <laughs> no, I loved, I, I used to jog a lot. I don't jog as much anymore, but my favorite thing used to be like, get up early and just go find my way, you know, because I'd be lost and find my way. <laughs> so weird to say that, but um, I love just exploring and getting lost and, you know, Has that ever gotten you in trouble? Have you ever got literally lost in a in another country? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, do you have to rely on the kindness of strangers, or how did how'd you get out of it? Well, and, and sometimes, especially if you're in a foreign country when they don't speak your language, mm-hmm. it, it makes it that much more exciting. You know, you speak any other languages? Um, not very well. <laughs> I, I point really well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, your top cuisine, if you had to pick one. One country's cuisine that you could eat a day in, day out. I just go Italian. Yeah, no. I mean, it's either Italian or Thai. Usually, yeah, yeah, that's the Thai easy. too. I mean, I usually ask that question and say you can't say Italy. Yeah, well, I would just go. I would just go. You know, mango sticky rice in Thailand. I oh mean, just, man, that's so good. Or you know, pad thai. You could just live on the street off oh, that stuff. It's so good. And I remember before before I went to Thailand, everyone's like, "Oh, you'll just eat off the street." I'm like, "I don't really do that." No, I'm not. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm doing that. Did you see that Thailand or Bangkok's going to get rid of the street vendors? I didn't see that. That's that was the that's a big thing coming up. Like there was a new law they passed. Well, I'm glad I got in before that. Yeah, I know. Huh? It's so sad. It's just such a huge part of the the city. Wow. I know. It's it's a drag. Um, Ugh. Everything's just going, huh? This <laughs> guy. Craziest thing you've ever eaten? Did um, you ever do any insects or anything? I over did there? some of the insects. I did some in Chagmai. I did some of the insects, and um, it was so random because it was on a roadside in um, <laughs> going from Laos into Cambodia, and it was one of those weird things where like you were on a bus with maybe two other like, Caucasian people, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I was kind of staring there, just looking at him, and the bus driver was kind of like egging me on, and he just kind of hands me one, and it was. Just kind of popped it in my mouth. It was like a grasshopper. <laughs> you know. I don't know. You stir fry something long enough, you can't really tell. Yeah. No. <laughs> Any, uh, you ever get sick? Any uh, food poisoning anywhere? Um, I didn't get like food poisoning sick, but I definitely had one of those like, you know, stomach things where you're, you're hoping the bus isn't going for another five hours type <laughs> yeah. thing and you're, you're kind of holding everything and you're turning blue type moments. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, right? yeah. People oh, know. I've been there. Oh, man. How about any worse... Um, any big uh, flight mishaps? Worst, no. worst flight story? Never? No, that's... Bumped, uh, trapped uh, anywhere? Um, Luggage end up on the other side of the world? <laughs> Thievery? I feel like I'm going to jinx myself in this conversation. Turbulence? Thanks, Mike. I really... No, I mean, yes, <laughs> turbulence, but like, I've never... God, I gotta, yeah, you're knocking, knocking the wood. I'm knocking something in my head here, because I've never <laughs> lost a bag or have had really bad... Good for you. ...flight stories, which I cannot wait to call you after this goes down, after this next <laughs> one. The, the only... The funniest... 
thing that I can remember luggage wise was the first time I ever went to Europe and my bag didn't come out. And there I am, 18 year old kid by myself in London, right? It's like middle of the night and I'm like, what? My bag didn't show up. Finally, I see it on another carousel. I'm jumping up and down. I'm ecstatic. Security pulls me over and they start going through all my stuff because like, they're like, why is this guy so excited to see us? I don't know. <laughs> my drugs are here. I know. <laughs> Finally, what's, my heroin is what's here. What's going on? Well, I did have one time and I don't know how that story comes to this, but I was coming back. For, I was coming from New York to Bermuda and I was visiting a, a friend of mine and I'd been with some entertainer friends of mine who, you know, partake in certain things and, gotcha. you know, my clothing and bags might have smelled quite a bit. <laughs> And I was coming through customs. The dog passed me. And he passed me again. And he stopped right next to me. And I'll never forget, my friend worked for a very, very prominent uh, politician in Bermuda. Oh. Very prominent. He's waiting for me. And as I came out, he just looked at me. and goes, why did you come out that door? What did you do? And please say you didn't say my name. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything's fine. I was totally good. Dog and I got along great. Where, what are your uh, dream destinations, if you had to pick uh, a few? Where, where, have you, where haven't you been yet that you've been dying I to go really to? I really want to go to Peru. Oh, okay. I Peru's really great. I really want to go to Peru. Um, yeah, I want to do Machu Picchu, but I also want to do... Um, I mean, there's a, Amazon is there. You know. Amazon's there. I you know, would love to you know, go do a little plant medicine, hang out there, do that. Oh, you, you an ayahuasca guy? I, I would like to do it there, you know? You know, I, I think if you're going to do it, that's the place to do it. I guess. I thought, did people go there or Mexico or both? I don't remember. I don't I know. I think now people go almost anywhere for it. They go to Cleveland. I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah, you could probably get a, a clinic down the street. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't get... So, I mean, there's a ritual to it, right? There's a whole kind of Indian ritual, right? Right. Okay. But... I heard a lot of people get sick doing it or throw up or nauseous or right. I'll, pass I mean, out. I can share more with you. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's part of the whole... <laughs> process of of releasing too gotcha um cleansing that's a different travel with meaning (laughs) it's just a different meaning in general uh so peru uh south africa oh yeah south africa's um, great and greece still haven't been to greece people can't believe that when i say that it's like i've been all around it but not there south africa is one of those places that every time i'll you know i'll say iceland or i'll say it's japan also i really want to go to japan oh you haven't been i haven't been to japan it's great that's haven't great. been. Um, but the last two times I've talked to people in the travel industry, they've been like, well, how come South Africa's not on your list? And so I, I started leading more with South Africa because it definitely holds a lot of things I, I love and would like to go see. It's crazy. The more we go, the more you realize you haven't seen. And you're like, oh, man, I got to see that now. <laughs> I really want to go there now. And Places I never heard of before. It's like every trip goes, yeah, well, now I want to go there next. And I'll tell you, as much as I, I mean, every one of the places I, I named, I definitely want to go. But... There's still quite a few places in the States that I would love to go to like Havasua, like the Havasua Falls out in Arizona. Oh, like Havasu, yeah. yeah well, yeah. but that, the falls, have you seen like with the, like the emerald? It just, it looks like magical. No, I haven't been to those. Oh, you got to look this thing up. It's pretty Is incredible. it the Colorado River? It's the Colorado River, but it's the lime, limestone rocks in okay. there. So it gives almost a kind of uh, emerald, emerald look. They only let a certain number of people in a year. Um, just well, I don't nice. know, one of those places that I've had on my list for a while. and I'm down to two states I haven't been to. Which ones? It's Montana and Wyoming. And I can knock those out in the weekend, yeah. actually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I want to do uh, Glacier and Yellowstone, Glacier National Park and Yellowstone, and maybe see Jackson Hole. and then Yeah. Is that on get... the radar coming up? Or? I, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I, 
Especially, it's almost like any place in the U.S. and Mexico as well. It's like, that's ah, so close. I can always go. But, uh, yeah, I've been putting it off. Or, but I, I'm going to do a road trip eventually. And, just, and also, I haven't seen, like, the southern Utah, the canyons there. Like, that's Arches the and yeah. Bryce Canyon Arches, and all that. Arches, Moab, and Bryce. Yeah. That's the other stuff. Like, I just, I get, I saw Grand Canyon for the first time, I guess, two years ago. You're kidding me. And I was and so blown away. up here. I know. I, yes. Six hours away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We passed it and went straight to Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Don't get out of the car. We did the Chevy Chase. We did the Chevy Chase. There it is. Let's hey, go. go. Back in the car. Here we go. It blew me away. It just something <laughs> it about it just like totally mesmerized me. Oh, it's grand. It is so oh, it grand. Is grand. It lives up to its name. It does. It really I felt does. crazy telling it you. It's a wonder of the like, world. It, no, it's pretty cool. It is incredible. It is incredible. Have you been... What about... Are you like uh, more of the nature tour guy or like outdoorsy guy or do you like cities as well? I, I need a balance. I, I yeah. love... I mean, I'm... You know, I love to rough it and camp and be in nature. Love it. I love a nice hotel in the city as well yeah. at the same time. So There's like five U.S. cities I always tell like foreigners to go see. That, Which are? That they have to be. Well, I mean, New York, of course. They like, they like to go to Washington, Boston, Chicago... San Francisco, even though I live in L.A., I usually yeah. tell them to go to, if they're going to New be Orleans? West. And New Orleans, because they're all very unique. So unique. And New, York, New Orleans especially, there's like nowhere else in the States. All right. Or anywhere else. I mean, the architecture, the music, the food, it's all unique. Disneyland a little bit like that. Yeah, <laughs> the French influence. But the problem with a lot of U.S. cities is a lot of them, they run into each other all the time. You, you could be down, and not, nothing bad about them, but you could be downtown Denver, downtown Dallas, Kansas City, and you wouldn't know where you were. Well, you know, it looks exactly the same. Especially now when you get like a lot of these rundown neighborhoods, which is wonderful that they're all being revitalized. But I was in Minneapolis, I guess, about a month ago, and they have a train that you know, connects the whole city like we do in here in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a lot of their warehouse district are now all these hip, cool co-working spaces or hip, cool yeah. restaurants and coffee shops. And I'm like, well, look, I'm in L.A. And... <laughs> Or Portland. Yeah, or, or Portland, or else. Seattle, yeah. or... All great cities, yeah, but... All great things, yeah. and like, look, that's all good things that we mentioned, but you still got to find the unique things. Oh, sure, sure. I lived in San Antonio for, I guess, two years. Re- well, really? You're, you're wise. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say it, but, you know. I know, you see the Alamo, you see the Riverwalk, and then you, uh, you do what? Well, the funny, <laughs> the funny thing about that, so I, I moved there for a job. And when I went for the job interview, and my hotel was down the street for the Alamo, I never saw it. For some reason, I just never, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't find it. I never saw it. <laughs> so that's part of the reason why I took the job. Part of the reason, I was like, I have to see the Alamo. Now I have to go back. But yeah, after you see the Riverwalk and the Alamo. You got it. You got it. You got it. It's a good place. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's fine. Nice. Um, so, I mean, do you think you'll stay in uh, L.A.? Or do you think you... Still have those uh, fantasies of living over abroad and, or maybe just living the digital nomad thing. I mean, if I had that crystal ball, you and I would be having much bigger conversations. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm open to life. I'm open to whatever's going to present itself. So you don't have a, you're not married or anything yet? No, I have a, a partner and, you know, we're, we're open to traveling and seeing what happens in the world and she's, she's open to it. And um, I don't know, right now I'm happy to be home and have a, a good job and good people around me and really just focused on building the travel with meaning concept and, and seeing what partners show up and yeah always up to creating trips there's so many places i really want to go um but we'll see and you, you get all the snacks you can handle here 
Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's not a, like, look, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I mean, they're, they're, the grass is always greener sometimes, so we think. Like, I missed that, that hut in northern, you know, Pai, wherever it was, in northern Thailand. But, you know, some days it's good to have running water, too. Yeah, oddly enough, Snack Nation was a country on my list that That's I really funny. wanted to do. Yeah, it was wow. like Greece, Snack Nation, Bali. Well, you know, if you don't have passports, <laughs> they're definitely not going to let you out of here. You're going to have to eat, like, <laughs> to show, bonitos. Show my or, papers. Some dang coconut chips or something. Yeah, they're going to make you do something. <laughs> do you guys uh, supply snacks to airlines? No, but I, I've... Please I've, do. I've talked to a few airlines about it. <laughs> Please do. That's funny. <laughs> um, okay, we can wrap it up. I mean, what... Um, finally, what do you... Where do you think all this travel has meant for you as a person, and how has it changed your outlook on life uh, than before, like say, when you were a younger guy? before you've been to all these places? You know, I was really fortunate that my parents took me to, to travel and took me in quite a few places growing up. Um, but I was able to have more of an appreciation of it as I got older and as I started seeing the world through my own eyes, right? Not on their schedule. Um, I see travel really going, and there's so many interesting apps and brands and things coming out it's still tangible, right? You still have to go and connect. And to me, what I want to create and what's being created with Travel With Meaning is that whole go and meet and do things, encourage these experiences, and then share them. So I hope that we are able to create these movements of people like the Joseph Campbell Hero's Journey, going and being inspired that they went through Africa or Egypt or um, other places that make them want to make a difference in their community or things at home. Travel's made me, you know, given me friends all over the world. It's given me experiences that I never thought I would. Um, and I hope that other people have that um, <clears throat> opportunity. There was, and I'm actually just going to go back to something you asked me earlier, was there was a moment actually when I was traveling where I was doing the Tongariro Crossing in, in New Zealand, which is this epic 13-mile Right, and it was one of those moments and feelings where I was like, "This is so cool! <laughs> I want everyone to experience this." This is that that moment where I'm videoing and I'm like, I, "Everyone needs to have this." And to me, that's like where the feeling and the conversation of travel with meaning really came from, of like wanting to help other people go and, and do things. That's great. Well, I should have asked that before, since you've been off the beaten track. Give me uh, some spots in New Zealand and say Thailand that maybe people, they're not in the guidebooks that people wouldn't know, that um, you would recommend? Well, I think a place in New Zealand, I was actually just telling a buddy the other day, and it's, it's definitely in the guidebook, but everyone knows Queenstown, right? Mm-hmm. But Wanaka, I don't know if you've been to no. Wanaka. Oh, Wanaka's heaven. It's, it's about an hour, 45 minutes outside of Queenstown on a lake, good wineries, super chill, just awesome. Just Wanaka. Wanaka. Um, it's definitely not as it definitely has doesn't have as much going on as like Queenstown very mellow definitely has grown you know quite a bit since I've been there but it's just one of those like super picturesque great places and what was that place in northern Laos that you went you went uh, north of Luang yeah Nongkiao 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 um it's like a tiny little dot and <laughs> um we went even north of there uh, and I'll probably think about it at three in the morning and email you at that point. <laughs> right. I don't remember. Uh, we went north of there to like a super random little something town, which was crazy. 
Yeah. One piece of advice for travelers, whether it's uh, to bring something, pack something, or do something, what, what, do, what do you tell them? Well, if it's do something, you know, use hashtag travel with me. Oh, sure. Obviously. Um, <laughs> you know what I like to tell people, depending on how they're going to go travel, let, you know, have the things you want to see and do, but be okay if none of that happens and just be open to what the plan's going to be because the plan always changes, right? Um, and I think this is what travel really does. Travel is such a good lesson for life. It's like as much as we plan, it's never going to go that way. It's going to rain the day we go to see, you know, the statue that you have to see when the sun's yeah. perfect. Or, or maybe that bus shows up and maybe it doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you go to Anchor Wat for the sunrise and there's no sunrise. Yeah. And that's your day. <laughs> okay. That's what happens. And so I feel like weather and life and travel, like, it just teaches you so much to, like, deal with certain situations. Yeah, that is true. Well, I should uh, let you have one more time to uh, give everybody your hashtags and your websites and everything. Plug away. Absolutely. So the website is travelwithmeaning.com and Instagram and Facebook as well, Travel With Meaning. And my request is that if you're going to travel and something's going to move, touch, or inspire you, and you're probably going to put it on social anyway, just to use the hashtag Travel With Meaning to become part of a like-minded global community of travelers saying, hey, that's pretty awesome. That's great, man. Hey, it was nice to meet you. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. And let's get, get some, some snacks. snacks. <laughs> yeah, let's snack it up. Snacks. <laughs> Show me the